Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh my goody goodness. I couldn't even feel I'm going to do that again. <laughs> so great. Now leave it in. Leave it in. Man. It's up to Cardi, I suppose, or whoever edits this to decide whether or not that stays in. It's the. What episode is this? I. Look, I don't do this. I'm not the normal host. As you'll all know, it's Simon Cardi. This is podcast uh, 683. I'm joined today by Jesse Gomez. Hello. Emma Matthews. Hello. And I'm Matt Jones as well. Haven't really had anything interesting to eat. No, wait, hang on. I have had something interesting to eat. I had a packet of the um, Oreos that have got the like gamer symbols on, the oh. Xbox branded Oreos. How gamer uh, do you feel now, Matt? Well, I ate the entire sleeve of them. So Jesus Christ, how many is that? <laughs> feeling like a gamer, it's like slightly lethargic and full. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I feel exactly like a gamer. <laughs> Very. So impressive. I was like, I was doing the codes and everything. I was like scanning them, and then I realized that you're supposed to have a Y uh, in them as well. You're supposed to have an A, B, an X, and a Y, and then an arrow and an Xbox symbol. But my packet didn't have a Y in it, so I oh, couldn't scan no. them. Oh no! So just ha- I had to eat them because they were all out. Some gamer you are, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, so we're going to talk about a couple of things. Mm. Uh, I watched Bloody Puss in Boots. That's pretty good. We'll talk about that in a minute. I've uh, got an endless search for you. got feedback. And we're also going to talk about Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, if you've listened to a previous episode about this, I'd mentioned that this wasn't something that I was particularly interested in playing. Um, partially for some, uh, you know, uh, some particular reasons that I'm sure you can infer. Um but also, I don't really care about Harry Potter at all, which was the main overriding reason. Uh, but the two of you have. Um, I think it's probably worth us saying that the creator, J.K. Rowling, has said some pretty troubling and problematic things before. Not mentioning it all would be remiss. If um, you're concerned about anything like that, absolutely go and do some research yourself and come to your own conclusions whether or not you want to play it. But we're here to talk about the game just as it stands, which the two of you will do. And I'll occasionally... Jump in with a couple questions because I don't know the first bloody thing about it. Sound good? Yep, I sounds sounds decent to me. So let's just begin with Emma. How much of this game have you played so far? Because from what I understand, like I've put I think about thirteen hours into it so far. But from what the reviews are saying, it's like a thirty-hour experience. How how deep are you into Hogwarts Legacy? So I'm roughly about ten or eleven hours in. Um, and yeah, like you said, it seems like it is a really big game. I think I'm surprised how big it feels, um, like from what I've played so far, sort of the first, I'd say even five hours of this game still felt very much like I was getting tutorial type stuff, uh, yeah. you know, whether that's learning spells, um, getting your broom takes a while and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'm really just surprised by how long I think this is going to be. Like you said, I think 30 hours it feels about right from where I am right now. Yeah, I mean, even even 10 hours in or more, however far I'm into the game right now, it's, it still feels like I'm having my hand held through certain experiences. 
and stuff. Um, but I don't know how much, uh, how much experience do you have in terms of just playing those, even those older Harry Potter tiles as well? Because as I've been playing through Hogwarts Legacy, my mind is always like constantly going back and forth between the nostalgia I had playing the games between, you know, 2001 to 2004 to, well, Hogwarts Legacy now. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I played, yeah, like definitely Philosopher's Stone Chamber of Secrets when they came out yeah. um, on like PS1, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting that as I'm walking around Hogwarts now, even though I think I think this is a game that fans who are playing those games like back in the day, I think this mm. is the Harry Potter game that they would have wanted. Like I think yeah. if you are looking for that experience, this definitely delivers on that. It's missing a few bits, but I think it's it's nice to walk around Hogwarts and see it as this massive castle, I think in those previous games you know we sort of we had bits of the castle we had bits of lessons and stuff this feels like way more of like a well-rounded mm. thing that you'd expect it feels like a real school that's alive right um i think one thing that i've spent a lot of time doing even though i'm only like 10 hours in is just wandering around the castle yeah. and being nosy and i think it's really cool that as you're walking around like there's just subtle things sort of you might be walking down a corridor and you see a house elf and then you startle it and it apparates or you know there's like armor chatting to you as you're walking down corridors and stuff like everything sort of feels how you would expect Hogwarts to feel and Mm. it's an interesting and kind of weird feeling as well if you're walking around this place that you've never actually been to but you know like where everything is roughly like I think from seeing the games before and seeing the the movies as well you have a sense of like what this castle looks like as a complete thing and this game actually shows you that oh yeah you know if you walk down that corridor you will find that classroom there and it does look very similar to what you're used to um I think that's really cool I think the devs have done a really great job at bringing all of the stuff that you would have probably imagined as well from the book stuff that hasn't made it into the movies Mm. um like the kitchens and stuff like that Peeves is one of them isn't he yeah exactly like various characters um mainly the ghost because this is set in like a completely different time to like what we're used to seeing um and yeah just like some of the areas as well and some of the quests that you'll do you'll have like remembered from the books and I think it's cool to have Mm. that nostalgia of it of like oh this is what this thing actually looks like this is kind of what I pictured yeah I'm and by the way just for anyone who doesn't know Peeves is a very annoying ghost who didn't appear in the films but I believe he's in the books and a few of the games as well but I'm I'm sort of torn when it comes to Hogwarts Legacy I think it cast in my mind back to those older games they're sort of like a, a poor man's Zelda you know they're the semi open world adventure games they had you know, the dungeons to explore, they had mini games, side quests, and, you know, Quidditch as well. But all three of those games, um, they, they took what was, you know, a near enough low poly brown and gray castle and turned it into something that was sort of like comforting and warm and colorful. And with Hogwarts Legacy, at least within the first few hours, I, I wanted that comfortable nostalgia uh, to be recaptured, but also challenged, obviously, because, you know, the technology of today's hardware is, is able to transform these old memories into something new and exciting. And for me, as I got deeper into the game, I didn't get that. It's, the, it's sort of like the opposite. I started out like you, all, you know, <laughs> wide-eyed, but then it's just like my, my excitement sort of died as I progressed into the game. Um, 
And I think for me that that really comes into I, I don't I don't think Avalanche Software lived up to the promise of making me feel like a student in Hogwarts because beyond the overarching story, you know, you'll attend classes like you said, and they could be you know defense against the dark arts. There could be potion classes, herbology, um, a few more. But for me, none of them felt entirely distinct like yes the classes look different and the teachers are different everything looks and sounds different but a lot of them all have similar scripted cutscenes where you know you might have a little montage of students learning something maybe they're practicing a little bit and the opportunities to learn in those lessons boil down to sort of like the same quick time events where once you learn whatever whatever new spell the game puts in front of you you're sort of done until the story dictates you attend another lesson there's not really any, from what I've experienced so far out of the story, like any fish out of water, brand new Hogwarts student experiences to have um, while you're playing. Because, you know, think back to those films, the books, or even previous games, like within this wizard and world, there's rules. You know, Hogwarts is meant to have a curfew, but you only have to deal with it during a few bad stealth missions. You won't get in trouble for never returning back to whatever common room um you belong to because they're not important and the same goes for classes as well because you can never miss a class in this game and i think that's my main issue with hogwarts you want Legacy. this game to be a lot more like dead rising 2 you know you want to like have it i mean you want to well, fail the mission and not be able to save the world the thing, because you, you missed uh potions that's the thing like those previous harry potter games they because they're on such you know older hardware and they couldn't push as much you know, things into the games they wanted, um, that the developers wanted to. Uh, like, the game, Hogwarts Legacy isn't so much interested in being a Hogwarts simulator that people, that at least I have been sort of clamoring for since those early PlayStation 2 days, which is a shame because, you know, Emma said on, like, on that visual level, they've captured that very essence of what we all watched in those films. Yeah. And more, you've got the paintings always moving, you've got statues flowing in the background and stuff, books flying through the air, everything, but it sort of ends up for me suffering as to it's, it's almost like a everything is there but it's just it's a thin veneer holding it all up when you get further into the game it starts to feel more like an empty world and you don't really feel like a student at hogwarts you're just there progressing through the story and that's what i've experienced okay. so far like it has those elements at the start where oh i'm going to get my wand now oh i'm attending these classes for the first time but you end up repeating a lot of those similar things again and it it sort of falls flat for me. Okay, yeah, because I think the first two classes that you do in the game, they mm. are pro they feel like a proper class. So yeah. you're learning a new spell, you're meeting some people, that's where you're starting to meet some of the characters who you'll end up building relationships with. They're going to be like basically your companions that you can choose to do some stuff with. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think I've just had my first class that wasn't sort of set up the same way it was more yeah. just like a cutscene, learn this spell that you need and then kind of get on with it um i think yeah, <clears throat> excuse me um yeah i'd say the beginning of the game sort of they they definitely take their time to try mm. and show you as many of those nostalgic moments as possible like yeah like you know to ease you into it um yeah it's interesting that you bring up the classes because yeah i've just had my first cutscene one it's it's kind of disappointing to hear that like it that's kind of it now we've had yeah. 
our classes. I guess there will be some standout ones where there might be a little bit more um, to do. But yeah, yeah, I guess you're moving on with like quests and side quests and stuff now. Um, One thing actually that I've already noticed sort of where I am in the game is that there are side quests, but they don't actually, they're not truly side quests in that you can't actually miss them. Yeah. So for example, there's a quest where you have to learn a new spell. Mm. But to learn that new spell, you have to do a side quest that ends up taking you to that teacher. But to meet the requirements for that quest, you <laughs> then have to go and do something else. Um, so it's like multi-layered in that way. But yeah, it feels like most of the side quests, I think so far, I've just done them because it kind of feels like I have to do them. I don't know if you feel the same way, Jesse. Oh, no, no, absolutely, for sure. And there's even a few side quests, which I think do worse than that where there was one in order for me to unlock a new spell or something along those lines something that didn't feel entirely important all i had to do was use two different types of potions and oh your side quest is finished now come back to the potion cellar and we'll just have a chat and i didn't really learn anything new it was just accept the quest spend my own money to buy the potions (laughs) sugar polyjuice yeah just consume the potions outside of his store and then walk back in and I was like, oh, that wasn't really a side quest. And there's a lot of that in this game where it's like, go here and like dodge this enemy five times. And that's the side quest. Like, why is that a task I'm being given? Like, there's already challenges in game where if you, you know, go through certain combat scenarios in a particular way, or if you perform in a certain way, then you get rewarded from that. Like, I don't need a quest where I need to just take a potion in the middle of a fight and then I can come back to a dude and just discuss it and maybe get a little bit of cash and it's just i don't know if like for me the the entire game feels like the studio tour you can do in watford rather than like a full-fledged game because honestly if they if they had taken a look at what bully did back in 2006 in terms of turning school life into something sort of fun and mischievous um then that would have been a lot better in my books because you look at bully and you've got different classes they're all unique and you make you make sure that you attend them on time, and if you don't, then you have to be careful when you're sneaking around the school and stuff like that. And I sort of wanted that in Harry Potter as well, because there's no curfew, there's no prefects, you're not really dealing with any responsibilities. You'll hear a student be like, oh, I got told off because, you know, I accidentally missed this class or I stayed out too late and I couldn't make it back to my common room. You can do whatever you want. You can just fucking run around Hogsmeade all day if you want to, and at nighttime and stuff, like blasting people away, and you're not going to get in trouble for it. And maybe it's because Hogwarts Legacy is less interested in being a Hogwarts simulator and more so just being a open world action RPG. But even instead. then, Bully had some consequences for being out late. Like yeah, yeah, pre- yeah. Prefects would try and run after you, which would have been interesting to try and include here. Like yeah. to have some sort of level of uh, like the threat for not following the rules. It actually just seems like it'd be way more engaging. Yeah, for sure. And like some of those older PlayStation 2 games sort of had that where it's like, oh, it's nighttime now, try and sneak past the prefects or avoid this particular ghost. But you only get those parts in this game when a mission sets you up. Because when it's nighttime, you can just, you can roam around and do whatever you want. You never have to go back to your common room after the first few times you're meant to go there because there's nothing for you to do there. Which is a shame as well, because Emma said like, this is a, this is a flashy, colorful fully realized world with all the all like the highlight elements that you would want in a 
you know, game taking place in Hogwarts and the surrounding area, but there's just... It's sort of like, I don't know, if you finish an RPG, you get 100 hours through it, and then the world suddenly stops feeling like it's alive. It feels like, for me, that happened five hours into the game, where everything just feels a little bit soulless to me, which is just sad, because the scope of the world is, you know, it's tremendous, and, like, once I got my broom, which happens a little bit into the game, you know, it started to recapture those old feelings I once had, like, as a kid playing those older games, but then it sort of just turned into, you know, playing a game that feels like it could have been any other open world game from the last 10 years or so for me. Uh, but then then again, we, like, we haven't even delved into the combat, which I think is probably the most enjoyable aspect for the game. I don't know how you feel about that, Emma. Definitely. I think when I... So when I went to the preview, that was something I was interested in. Mm. Um, having played it for a bit longer, it is still, it's quite simple combat. You know, you're yeah. not going to feel overwhelmed by it, um, but it does feel really weighty. And it, you know, it's nice to be able to combo stuff together. Um, like we mentioned earlier, you sort of start off unlocking spells like quite slowly at the beginning of the game. And then sort of maybe like five or six hours in, I felt that it sort of started to ramp up. It's more like, okay, now we're going to give you some more spells so you can have a little bit more fun. Oh yeah, they're, they're spitting spells in your face like every hour at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, Please exactly. take them, we have so many. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, you have some time to find your feet and there's, you know, ways you can practice. Um, you know, there's like little jewels that you do against other students and stuff. So yeah. you're going to feel you know, pretty well equipped by the time they start throwing these larger enemies at you. And they'll throw a lot of them at you at once as well. Mm. You know, you'll be in this sort of open arena. Um, there was one part where I had like all these spiders around me and they were massive. And like I said, <laughs> even though like the the combat is is simple, you're not you're not gonna struggle to pick it up. But once you sort of start working out a few really good combos and you can land some parries, like it feels really satisfying, I'd say. The yeah. combat does feel solid. It is it is like an incredibly flashy experience and it doesn't it it doesn't look too silly like how sometimes you would see in the films, because like everyone's just sort of waving these, you know, CGI ones about and it does look a little bit silly. This game tries to make it you know, tries to make wand magic look cool, which inherently usually doesn't look very oh, cool. Oh yeah, you feel powerful as well with it. Even with some of the spells, even like if you're not casting a specific self, it's basically just like a neutral kind of one. Yeah. You know, all the all the movements and stuff and the way that the attack feels, feels mm. really good. Yeah, I, I have encountered like a little bit of an issue just progressing further because you, you end up being able to, you know, put essentially perk points into your character um, and... When you start the game, you'll have a single spell wheel which can attach to, which you can attach four different spells to. But as you progress through the game, you'll be able to unlock more spell wheels. So, mid combat, you might be juggling between like four different spell wheels, each with four spells in them. And it can get a little bit hectic at times, but then it, you know, it comes back down to just how enjoyable the flashing lights are which sounds really silly <laughs> but it does it does come down to that like it is a pretty and like visually enticing experience when you're doing combat oh yeah definitely i think i've just unlocked the second wheel so yeah that's like a talent you get points when you get to you know certain levels you can spend those 
Um, there's a variety of things, right? So you've got like your spells, you've got like core magic and stuff. You've got Mm. the dark arts stuff specifically as well. Um, and yeah, like I like being able to switch between so far, the spells that I have on my second wheel are more used for like the room of requirement stuff. Yeah. So if you don't know what the room of requirement is in this game, it's kind of like your little hub where you can go and brew your own potions and grow plants and stuff, which is like something you're definitely going to have to do. Um, and Is it always in the same place? As far as I, I've been there like twice, I think. I think it is. You, you can customize like, it to a decent degree. It's the same it, place it, it, in it, the does, it does open up. But I'd always yeah. heard that the room of requirement, you don't know where it is. It right? like moves around, yeah. yeah. Um, as far That's as kind of I disappointing know, to just be like, oh, the thing that always moves around in the books and the TV, sh- uh, in the in the films, oh, in the game now, it's not. Like I always kind of imagined that uh, any Harry Potter game to this degree would have to be a roguelike because of like the staircase is moving and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it seems a shame that it isn't. Yeah, there's certain obviously like I guess it would be difficult to have the staircases moving in the same way they do still move um it's, it's more it, of that thing like where you're running towards it it will populate in front of you exactly because if it, yes, if it, it was the same thing like in this game yeah i'd be jumping off them all the time and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> they they saw how to fix that stylistically but I, I that was one of the things where i was like that's a little bit sad they didn't put it in there but there's also like a few like other bizarre quirks in this game as well, like, you know, you mentioned crafting them, which, you know, can be important, especially in combat if you want, like, certain things to back you up, like potions or little little allies that you can cast. But, cert- like, mostly everything has a real-life timer attached to it as well, which, which irked me because one potion, for example, might have you wait 20 seconds. Or if you're, you know, planting something at the potting table, you might have to wait 10 minutes actually in real life and that might not sound like a lot of time but i feel like in in a big triple a game there shouldn't be like timer requirements like that i don't know if that is more common in like like maybe like heavy rpgs but it just doesn't feel right to be like i'm gonna pot this now and i have to wait 10 minutes in real life and then i might come back to like you can just go and do a side quest or whatever but i feel like that should be near enough instant because it's magic if i can make a table appear whenever i want to i should be able to make a plant appear in less than 10 minutes i don't know maybe i'm not getting the law right in terms of plants plants. (laughs) i like i had a similar like sort of issue with this i feel like my problem also as well is that I just, I'm quite impatient with this. I want to be spending my time solving puzzles because there's tons around the castle. I want to yeah. be, you know, going out on these quests. I want to be unlocking spells. And the minute that I have to make like a healing potion, for example, if I don't just have the ingredients there on me to do it at the time, like or if I can't just buy a potion, you can just go to a shop and buy them as well. But things are expensive um, in this but game. But they are. <laughs> so yeah, like, it, I'm it a makes broke sense. ass student in Hogwarts Legacy and it doesn't feel good. And I can't find decent jobs to get enough money because there will be side quests where it's like, oh, buy this potion. you need experience first. You yeah, know, you've got to get your CV yeah. together. Yeah, and... exactly. Like, oh, cheers, it's Hogwarts. tough out there. Yeah. It's not teaching me the real shit that I need to know. But You know, the... inflation's gone terrible also. Exactly. You, know how much a, you know how much a box of every flavor beans used to cost, <laughs> mate? It's, it's extortionate now. That's not how it used to be. But I'm stuck with one particular quest where 
It's like, oh, you need to buy this potion. It costs a thousand gold. I'm like at 200 gold right now and I cannot pass this stupid ass quest because I'm just broke. And that doesn't feel like a fun quest. I don't want to be reminded of how poor I am in game because <laughs> I want to complete a quest, which actually unlocks a spell for me as well. And that's what's frustrating. kind of cool, though, that like you, the majority of your experience through this world has been through the lens of Harry Potter that could probably buy God if you wanted to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like actually playing a broke student and not having access to all of these materials is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's like, that's the reality, isn't it? Like you're you're a fifth year who's just turned up at Hogwarts and it's like, okay, I've got, I've got to do something. I need supplies, you know, I've, I've got mm. to prepare. Um, but yeah, like going back to the whole like potions thing, like, it doesn't feel great to have to wait like 10, 15 minutes for something to brew. Um, when yeah. I've been doing that, it's kind of like, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to go do something else and just come back. Um, but Are there potions that take longer than 15 minutes? I haven't encountered any yet, but I, I, would, not be, I would not be surprised if there's certain plants that will probably take like 20 minutes oh to grow and that's just yeah, yeah for them to actually grow then you know i mean with the healing potion i think that's like 15 seconds or something for it to brew but the yeah. plants for it might take longer um that's so weird that feels to me like they wanted to develop like design a way for you to just go like oh well while this is doing this why don't i go out in the world and see what's up but it's it doesn't seem very well executed if you've like it just seems like downtime. That's yeah. that's kind of dull. It, it just it, it it puts your mind right in like, is this a free to play or mobile game? Mm. And I don't feel like anyone wants to be reminded of like nasty practices and stuff when you're when you're trying to just enjoy yourself. I in remember these that I games. didn't play Dead Space three because of uh, this sort of stuff being included in it. Like you having to wait for a little robot to come and get you your materials yeah. to be able to upgrade your gun. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. So I just didn't play an otherwise okay game by all accounts. I think what it could be maybe is like this hub that you've got. Um, I guess they're thinking maybe potentially, I don't know, but post game as well. Like you're going to be playing this game for a long time. Like we say, like, you know, probably 30 hours from what we're hearing and seeing so far. Maybe this is a way like of post game stuff, especially if you've got like your your beasts and your animals and stuff like some people. Mm might want to be looking after those and have them in their room of requirement and stuff. Like, I feel like it doesn't appeal to me personally, but I guess maybe it will to someone. Like, it they want to physically to, like, lock have to do up this your stuff. hippogriff and, yeah, like, get inside the room of requirement, mate. <laughs> and imagine that you, like, you have a gold hippogriff that you can get yeah. that takes you a year's worth of waiting with the battery on. Like, you need to keep your Xbox turned on for an entire calendar year to be able to get <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the fastest be, hippogriff in the game that would be tragically sad i feel like another thing as well it is it is listing a lot of a lot of negatives it sounds like like i've enjoyed my time with hogwarts legacy but it's just small little annoying tiny bits like emma i i've sent you a few screenshots of how my character looks as i've yeah. been playing <laughs> she looks fucking stupid because this game has the same issue where you're picking up new bits of clothing oh and the stats are better my character genuinely looks like Hannibal Lecter at the moment. She has like a sort of weird gimpy leather mask on and a sort of like cool robe and stuff like that. But she just looks fucking terrifying and bizarre. Um, you haven't seen that uh, Pro ZD video about like uh, I'm, I'm wearing my ass kicking outfit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just does. It just doesn't look good. And, and the thing is, like once you get new gear, you can, um, you know, change it in something you've had previously and still keep the same stats. But ultimately, like you are going to be the only 
the single most unique looking person in all of Hogwarts because everyone else is wearing the most vanilla looking clothing and you're going to look like a fucking clown for most of the game. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I don't mind that so much because you can just change the appearance of everything. So say mm. you find like a, a cloak or whatever that's like 10 for defense, but yeah. you like the look of the standard uniform, for example, you can just change it which is good. Um, That's the thing, though. I'm finding, like, a new scarf, like, every 10 minutes. I'm just like, I'm not bothered to go back and change the appearance. It's like, I'm just always wearing whatever's new. Because you, you are fine. There are a lot of options to customize your character's clothing. Um, and you're finding, like, new examples near enough every hour, whether you're, you know, so solving a puzzle in Hogwarts itself or you're at the end of the mission or you went through a little cave and you discovered something. Um, but, yeah, my character's look is constantly changing just to hunt down the new stats i can't imagine what she's going to look like at the end of the game it's going to be monstrous <laughs> no i think overall like i'm enjoying it so far i think yeah. i've had a lot of those moments that you'd have like you know the first time you read the books or the first time you watch the films where you're like oh that's that thing that i've seen before or that's that's how mm. i imagined it and i think it's really cool that they can do that um yeah. so consistently at the beginning of the game especially but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the game so far. I'm I'm mm. happy that the combat is as good as it is. Um you know, there there are little bits I don't like about it. I think it's such a shame that Quidditch isn't in the game. I feel yeah. like and I I feel like a lot of people are going to have the same kind of reaction as well. Um they had Quidditch back in like 2001. It yeah, like it's just unacceptable. <laughs> what's good the flying though, to be fair, like you you've still got the Quidditch pitches there. There yeah. are students in there. You go and do like a flying lesson and stuff. And the flying actually feels really, really good. Um, yeah, I've, which I've is got, why I've I'm kind of no, surprised. I've got no issues with the flying. Yeah, I'm surprised there's no Quidditch because you can just fly around the castle if you want. It's yeah. really like steady. It just, it feels nice to be able to go and explore a little bit as well. Um, mm. But yeah, just such a shame that we don't have that in there. I guess there's certain things, you know, the Wizarding World is massive, right? Um, yeah. Having everything would be tricky, but I feel, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with that. Yeah. I'm just glad, glad I was able to replicate my favourite scene from the film, which is when Harry Potter waits 10 minutes for a plant to appear. That was always classic, and I'm glad I could do that in this game. <laughs> As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organising that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. But I I feel like we can probably move on to something maybe a little bit more happy and exciting (laughs) that matt has recently watched (laughs) you say that but like puss in boots is a uh a tale about a a a man's uh, grasping with his uh mortality like genuinely it's quite harrowing and i sounds really intense yeah it's about a guy like realizing that you know if you if you're going to die that's the thing that makes you most alive that's that's the narrative through line is puss dying is that what's he does yeah so um, (laughs) this this movie takes place (laughs) After Puss in Boots, the titular Puss in Boots has just had his eighth death of his nine lives. Oh, no. I didn't realize he's died that many times. (laughs) Yeah. It's all covered in quite a nice, like, actually quite a weird montage. Yeah. Where it's like, it's a a children's character in a children's movie dying eight times. (laughs) Um, And I guess it's fine because he's okay at the end of it. But I was there, like, I went to the first screening that I could. Uh, It just came out in the UK. It's been (laughs) just a rush into Puss in Boots. It is. You know how uh, last week I said um, walk, don't run for knock in the cabin? I was run, don't walk for puss in boots, <laughs> mate. Because um, I'd seen a little clip of um, it's kind of the opening sequence. There's a really effective um, like little bit of like zoom in and zoom out animation that yeah. feels really similar to like watching Attack on Titan. Mm. Um, and I'm a, I'm a renowned Attack on Titan fan. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> World famous. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, this is a, a kind of animation that I've only seen in that before. Yeah. I need to go see this in, in a theater as soon as I can. Um, go see Puss in Boots, is what, <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, that, I, that's, that's the weird thing. Like People have been talking about it like it's it's almost as good as you know Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, I can't believe on. it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, How many Puss in Boots movies have there been now? There's, There's been, been a few, right? This is the second of oh, uh, okay. Puss in Boots' soul movies. Uh, <laughs> but I wouldn't say that this one uh, is at all similar to that last one, which I, I haven't seen. But by all accounts, it was something that they weren't necessarily interested in revisiting. Yeah. And now have because of uh, animation strides that have been made, uh, probably as a consequence of... Um, into spite of us yeah that's the thing i heard the first person boots was like pretty shy <laughs> and then this comes out yeah. let's say let's be let's be generous yeah yeah and then this comes was, out of nowhere i was saying as i was walking out of the theater that it feels as if you can chart a 
style of animation as a like pre and post spider-verse it's like that style of like animating on twos occasionally or something i really noticed was i think that um animated movies can get a lot of um credit for their animation of course that's part of it but the composition like is actually the important part like deciding that I think like early 3D animation just decided that they had a character model and they were going to move that character model based on what they needed it to do. Yeah. Whereas I think animated movies now decide what they need the character that to do and then design individual character models for those moments. There are some like clear, heavily defined hero bits where you can see really detailed like uh, like felt on the guy's hat or on yeah. his on his boots. But then as it gets further away, it's less detailed or there's just less animating happening per mm. frame, but in order to like, express a different idea. It like of I think there's not gonna be much else this year that is animated that I'm gonna have as good a time with. But it is just there are just some beautiful stuff on screen. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're an animation fan, it feels very weird to say, but go see this follow-up of, <laughs> of the Shrek franchise. That's the thing, like, I mean, I feel like everyone sort of our range, our age range sort of just adores Shrek 1 and 2. Like, you can't go wrong. Absolutely, it's yeah. S-tier <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I heard the first Person Boots wasn't too particularly amazing, but then, like I said, this sort of comes out of nowhere. I just wasn't paying any attention to it at all, and it sounds brilliant i've seen a lot of people like on twitter saying it's fantastic as well but matt did you find it funny because nothing is more sad than when they try to inject personality and humor into animated films and it just falls flat like how much there was nothing offensively terrible but i wouldn't say that the humor is what i'm there for like i think that it's got a solid script that like gets it from place to place. Yeah, I think there's a cool, a couple of really cool character choices that I I think people will pick up on that will, they'll enjoy, mm. but primarily go for some world class animation and spectacle. Honestly, that's, that's, that sounds that sounds pretty damn good because I've I've watched Minions recently. I did not have a good time <laughs> watching that. Was so. it the most recent one? Yes. So. I actually quite liked it, but uh, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's on a par with Puss in Boots. No, no, I can't. I can't imagine so. Um, it was uh, weirdly. It was the first screening that I'd gone to for IGN, and I had a tough time walking out, wondering whether or not I just enjoyed the movie or I just enjoyed that I'd gone to a screening. <laughs> and it was like I didn't. I couldn't quite tell whether yeah. it bumped up a point because of the ideal environment. <laughs> I certainly felt like mm. it, I, I want to watch something just fun. And happy in the cinema on the big screen because I've been I've been reading through a lot of horror books. So I just recently finished The Exorcist. So I sort of need like a tonal shift mm. into something just nice and Shrek related. What I do want to know though is does does it <laughs> does it leave room on the table for a new Shrek film? I am not going to spoil it. Oh, oh there is now I need to watch it. <laughs> there is an implication that I there wonder are, how many there is stuff in the works. Now. But you'll have to watch it to find out. Uh, but I would say, Jesse, have you seen uh, Megan yet? No, I haven't. I, it's, it really looks like one of those films. Like, it, it looks like this an okay horror film, and I'm not sure if I want to go to the cinema to watch okay horror films anymore. Mm-hmm. It seems like I'm just going to wait till it's on Netflix. No, it's a go. It's a go to a really terrible movie theater and then just shout at the screen. <laughs> movie. It's okay. very fun for that. 
but I, it's just so interesting to think that I don't think a movie is going to surpass both Megan and Puss in Boots <laughs> in my mind until maybe Barbie comes out. Like that's the that's the the current two tiered ranking of what movies are good this year. It's Megan and Puss in Boots. I mean, that's amazing. So early in the year as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like we're only just into February, and you might yeah. have already found your movies of the yeah. whole year. Is this going to be true. the revival of the Shrek cinematic universe that I've been wanting since like I primary so. school? I hope I'm so. Very excited. Mm-hmm. I well. Will. I was going to say, like, I wonder how many people growing up now have seen the Puss in Boots movies, but haven't seen Shrek. Oh, that'd be interesting. There has to be some people, right? Because, like, when I think of Shrek, I think of being quite young. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe, like, primary school. Definitely primary school. I mean, Shrek 2 was 2004. Oh, yeah, definitely primary school then. Like... (laughs) That's that's a really interesting thought of like, oh yeah, some people might watch Puss in Boots before Shrek. That's fucked. I mean, that's what fucked him up a little bit when we uh, went to a screening for the second Avatar film. There was someone in the audience who was born a year after the first Avatar film. Oh my like, gosh. That's wild. I was like, I don't like that. Stay away, demon. How old does that make them? <laughs> Is that like 14? I don't, I don't need, I can't even remember how old the first film is. But I was just like, that's mad mm. well like, yeah am i old now <laughs> i think we i think we just are because i was talking about this. how it starts yeah and when i think the first avatar movie came out i was like getting ready to do gcses <laughs> and it's like now i have a job and i'm i'm mostly a grown-up like just thinking <laughs> of that is really up. weird <laughs> we're still always able to watch the best Shrek films around Christmas time, and that's all we need. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good that you're both such Shrek aficionados, because I have prepared a suitable <laughs> endless search this week. Hit that bloody theme tune. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold up the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? I really wish we had like a specific button that could do it on yeah, the that'd podcast. Be nice. That would be, be cool. To be fair, listeners, you at home, <laughs> listeners, you at home got to hear the theme tune. We just had to imagine it. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to do the end of search this week. What I have prepared. There's only a couple questions on this one, but I think okay. it will take us a decent chunk of time. Um, you two ready to put your Shrek knowledge to the test? This is when everyone's going to find out that we don't really remember much of Shrek other than it mm. being funny and a comfortable film to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> okay. My first question. Which song from any Shrek soundtrack had the highest position on the Billboard chart? Which Shrek soundtrack so, had the highest position? Not which soundtrack, just which song on whichever Shrek soundtrack you want. Oh, so you've got to remember an iconic song from the Shrek soundtrack. Sh- <laughs> that is a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. And it's got to be the highest ranking on the Billboard charts. How are we doing this? Are we oh. we're just taking it in turns, or is it just yeah? Go on. First? Um, I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna say Smash Mouth All Star. Mm-hmm. There is no way because that was more of a joke song. It wasn't even that popular when the song came out, right? Surely. 
Um, I'll go with Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I can't even so, say it. I can't even say it properly. That's so embarrassing. I actually, I don't have to look these ones up because uh, I did these earlier, these two, just in case, because I thought that would be correct. How the fuck do um, I say hallelujah? <laughs> I'm going to just stop um, podcasting now. So the reality, it's kind of by technicality, this, because uh, the version of hallelujah wasn't by uh, the original artist. It was by Rufus Rainwright, I think, was the one that did the cover. Mm. Uh, and it didn't chart at all. However, Smash Mouth what the was four on the Billboard what? charts. Oh. Yeah, I thought that. I thought everyone just sort of universally agreed that it was like sort of a crappy song that people just like because the meme status surrounding it. Mm-hmm. I think people did like it at the time. It was also like I think it was on the OC as well. Like I think it had been in a couple other shows. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, you don't score a point on that one, Jesse. Well, and Anna, it's well deserved it. considering I can't pronounce the fucking name <laughs> of the tune, so I'm just gonna die now. I did a vague look and tried to find out what the highest ranked one with this would be, and it would be Live and Vida Loca by Ricky Martin, oh, which was top of the Billboard sense. chart for five weeks when it mm. first came out. Um, so congratulations, Emma, on that oh. one. Right, question number two. Uh, and I'll take it, yeah, closest to will get the point on this one. How many times does Shrek say donkey in the original film? This is a good question. Wow. Um, oh, it's Jesse first, right? Go ahead. Oh, oh no. Um, I'm trying to like fast forward <laughs> through it in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go. You know what? I feel like I was going to shoot for the stars with this number, but it'd be ridiculous just trying to like think in my head how many donkeys per minute of the film. Um, DPMs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's go for a solid thirty. Oh. All right, Emma. I was going to say 25. Oh. I'm going to play it safe. I, I was originally going to say like 82, but that would be ridiculous. <laughs> quite a lot of donkey. Uh, so it is just times that Shrek says donkey, and this was the question. And it was 33 times. Oh, Jesse, that yeah. was so close. Wow. Yeah. Right. So, Jesse, you will get it. At least I can pronounce donkey in <laughs> yeah. a normal way. Oh, so embarrassing. Can, can I just like... <laughs> Just record right now. Or after the podcast, just me <laughs> say it. You could just insert it. Whoever's it wasn't that best bad. Donkey. It was fine. You were uh, Oh, man, this is painful. All right, this one might be hard to uh, tally down. I'll, tr- I'll try my best. I might need to, you to answer all this at once. This is, this is technically three questions. Uh, okay. I'd like to know <laughs> which multi-tiered. of the Shrek oeuvre um, had the highest overall budget for production which one had the highest opening weekend and which one has the highest worldwide earnings? To make it easier for you, these are all different answers. They are, so you'll have to remember what Shrek movies what have come out. You have to guess highest budget, highest opening weekend, and the highest worldwide earnings. Oh, no. So let, should we start with highest budget? Let's yeah. boil it down. Um, I feel like, because budgets have like, fucking crazy now they're in like the, the hundreds of millions these days but this is an animated film from like 2002 at least the first shrek um sort of the highest budget for one of the shrek films yes of the seven sh- films there's in the shrek seven universe shrek films mm-hmm. there are seven 
Wow. Does that include Puss in Boots? It does include Puss in Boots. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say... The, yeah, the newest Puss in Boots movie then. I'm going to say that's it, the highest budget. You believe it had the highest production budget? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Jesse, what do you say? I want to say... Shrek the Third. <laughs> Okay. I dislike Shrek the Third, but I feel like it probably had the most money because they were going to try and, like, you know, go above and beyond Shrek 2 and then they fucked up. You can't so, do it. It can't be done. <laughs> to make this all easy for you, like I said, I'm going to reveal this at the end because the answers okay. are all different on this. All right. And what did you say? Shrek the Third. So what? What's the what's the second what's the second tier on this lovely the second Shrek tier dessert? Is which of these seven films? God, is it seven? Hang on, if I counted this wrong, four, five, six, seven. I can't eight. believe you're it's, getting the Shrek lore wrong. It's eight if we count Shrek's Thrilling Tales, which I believe was a DVD exclusive. I was going to say so. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it just the highest opening weekend of these films. Ooh. Whose go is it? Uh, let's keep Emma going first for this. I think okay. the easiest. Okay, I'm going to say Shrek two. I think I was very excited for Shrek 2 when it came out and I think a lot of other people would I have think, been I feel like Shrek 2 is probably the um, probably the safest bet to go for all of these in terms of which is the best one um, let's go with just the first Shrek then you think I had the highest opening weekend fuck it let's just go for it okay. Shrek 2 is going to have that one but I just Shrek, Shrek 1 has to be the closest and the final one is which of these films had the highest worldwide gross? Or is worldwide box office, sorry. Gross is a different thing. Um, Whose turn is it? Oh, uh, yeah, Emma is again, it, yeah. Is it me? I'm going to say Shrek, the first Shrek. <laughs> let's let's just mix it. I'm just going to say Shrek too. fuck it. <laughs> All right, let's make these make sense. Uh, so only one of you has scored one point in oh the whole time. And it was Jesse by guessing uh, Shrek 2 for the worldwide uh, worldwide box office. I mean, that had um, to be the easiest one, right? The interesting thing about the production budget is that Shrek the Third cost uh, Christ a lot, a uh, hundred million. Uh, sorry, a hundred and sixty million. Um, and Shrek Forever After cost one hundred sixty-five million. So it was only five million difference in that. What a bargain. <laughs> and, yep, Shrek 2 didn't have the uh, best opening weekend. That was Shrek the 3rd. But it did have the best worldwide box office. So, Jesse, you get the point. Oh, my God. Congratulations, a... Jesse, on that one. We've only got one more question, but it is, boy, howdy, it's a doozy. Um, I'm going to have to pull up a list for this. A spreadsheet? This. <laughs> oh, yeah. this is serious. Um, How many Shrek tabs do you have right now, Matt? Uh, I feel like one a more. lot. <laughs> More than um, anyone else on the planet right now. Oh, I sort of want to revisit Shrek now. My old pal. I never played good. any of the Shrek games. Didn't know if they were any good. I feel like oh, there were quite a few during the PS2 era. I think I had a Game Boy Advance one. It was alright. <laughs> uh, alright. So we'll start with Jesse on this. Um, Shrek, I'm surprised to discover, won the first ever Academy Award for the Best Animated Feature. I don't know if you knew this. I did. The first ever time that there was a Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards, Shrek won it. I'd like you to name 
as many other animated features that have won the Academy Award. And if you can tell me the year that they won as well, you get an extra point. Oh no, I'm shit with this. Um... So the first year, I'll give it this to you as well. It was two thousand one. Wait, so Shrek was the first you said, right? In two thousand and one, Shrek was the first ever winner of the Academy Award for the Best Animated Feature. Can you okay. name any other ones? You could probably get pretty far by just saying what as Pixar put out. Um, you probably, but oh. if you can also tell me the year as well, you'll get a, get I a think, super point. I think Spirited Away. Which That's would have been good. 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, the Incredibles, which was... I'm trying to think of the game. Let's say 2004. Um, uh, oh... Ratatouille, 2007. How many have I got? Three. So far, yeah. Um, And... I say Ratatouille was 2007. Which... Wally, 2008. And that's all I can get. I can't think of any other films. I feel like those are like the ones from like when I was younger. I don't know about the better films <laughs> not the better films but just the more recent the 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 2010s is a blur to me in terms of animated films i think if you're i'm trying to figure out the way that we can do this that's fair i didn't really think about how this, uh, this <laughs> round would work but emma uh, i'm going to reveal that all of those were correct and they've had the correct year as well oh my god so that is a full 8 points um, if you'd like to make any other additions to this list, I think that's probably the way to <laughs> Good luck, way to Emma. Go. It's a bit difficult to follow yeah. that, isn't it? Um, it really is. An oh, I missed that. There's got to be a Toy Story out. in there, surely. Um, which one? Which one? Probably the worst three. one. <laughs> probably Toy Story three. Um, I can't remember which year that was, though. Was it twenty? 18? Um, my memory is terrible for this kind of thing. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else would have been in there. Have you got any like little nieces or nephews who just absolutely love particular animated films? Because that's what you have to cast your mind to. That's what, I was that's what I'm think. thinking of. Yeah, I'm thinking of like Encanto. Um, but I don't know if it actually got that award. Um... We'll put Encanto in there. I think that was 2020. <laughs> Lock it in. There's going to be some hardcore movies on the board who are just screaming. Oh, I know. They're going to be so mad at me. <laughs> um, see, I can't really think of anything else. And I don't think I'm going to beat Jesse with getting the years right, even. So. Is. I think that means if you're absolutely thrown in the towel, Jesse wins by default. I can't Congratulations. believe it. Congratulations I, on your Shrek knowledge, Jesse. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a true <laughs> champion today. Your Shrek ears and uh, green yeah. face paint are in the post. Is your uh, congratulations. Yeah, it's a shame you guys can't Good see job. me right now. 
Yeah, and uh, everybody else, uh, everybody that's listening, should email in and uh, let uh, Jesse know how much that uh, you should you should sign off at emails with uh, congratulations to the Shrek expert Jesse. Thank Gomez. you very much. And that would be under IGN <laughs> underscore UK feedback at yeah. IGN.com. That's absolutely true. Uh, we have got a couple of emails from that right now. What I'm <gasps> going to read off. Wow. I've got this first message from Rory, who says, "All right, gang." listening to the show this week and it got me thinking about what I would like to watch in terms of a game adapted to the old telly box that sounds like something I would say and include on there as if it was Rory (laughs) but no it was Rory's own words Rory has two ideas firstly Hades done as a Groundhog Day a bit like Russian Doll series portraying Zagreus' attempts to break out of hell considering the depth in story the game possesses I think there would be a lot of meat to chew on in terms of plot and drama the special source being stars the whole cast of Succession. Brian Cox's Hades, <laughs> yes, please. What? What do you think about that before I continue? I like the sound of that. Brian Cox would be really good as Hades, I think. And I just like Hades in general. So yeah, anything to do with that would be really awesome. Mm-hmm. I see. Except for uh, Hades 2. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah, excited. on. Uh, but the game I'd really love to see turned episodic viewing is Bioshock. However, I actually think showing the initial demise of Rapture, including mm. early episodes showing the creation of the underwater utopia, and then plotting its eventual fall would make for a better TV show, finishing with the final scene showing Jack getting on the plane headed for disaster. Personally, I'd watch that in a heartbeat. I think it'd be interesting to do it like uh, pre-fall and post-fall, yeah. to be honest. Like, I think that you'd have like you'd go to an area like Jack's mission would take him from, you know, Fort Frolic to wherever. And you'd see what that place like was like while it was still in its heyday. I think that'd be really fun. Well, is it, isn't Netflix adapting Bioshock? I mean, I can imagine it'll get cancelled after two episodes, but maybe you'll have to you know, get to look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Rory. Yeah. Netflix's maybe. adaptation of Bioshock. How thrilling. Perhaps. <laughs> what about you, Emma? You, uh, any any comments on Bioshock episodic television? I think it would be cool. I think, like you said, with showing like what it was like before, would you have mm. that as like flashbacks, or would you have that as like dedicated episodes? Or I guess mm. there's a lot you could do with it, really. Told in the style of a visual novel. Something you could do though is have it uh, be a framed narrative that it's like uh, the ghosts that he sees because of the like plasmid. Like you get some of their memories when you take the plasmid juice. They could have that happen. That could be where the flash. Oh, they should get me to write this. Um, anyway, also, Rory has this as a follow-up. While I have you here, I have a completely unrelated question I wanted to place to the panel. I recently decided it's time I finally tackled a JRPG. Congratulations, Rory. Uh, a genre for me that in the past hasn't clicked, but I'm determined to beat one in my lifetime. If you could recommend one JRPG to a genre novice, what would it be? Thanks for all the last team. Love the pod and respect the sea. That is, again, from Rory. Thank you for the feedback, Rory. Honestly, I would say, because I'm not a massive fan of JRPGs, but the first one that I really, like, really, really got into was Persona 5. It was just totally approachable for someone who isn't entirely, I know, engaged with turn-based combat. It's so stylish. The characters are fantastic, as is the music. You, you, can, you can get stuck in that game for a long while and... It's, I'd, I'd usually recommend it as like the beginner JRPG, to be honest. 
that's cool like we spoke about persona a little bit last time i was on the podcast which was i think two weeks ago matt was there as well you're into persona aren't you um this is a great question from rory because i'm also i don't really play many jrpgs and every time it comes up people tell me to play persona 5 so you will lose a like, hundred hours like I did many summers ago. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why I've been putting it off a little bit because it's like, it seems like such a big game mm. and such a time investment, but I know it's going to be good, but it's just like, yeah. I actually have to start doing it, you know? I, I think you've got the, enough games that you have to play, you know, to yeah. be able to just suddenly justify a 500 hour experience. Yeah. Like and that's the thing, like, don't be afraid to, you know, slap a game like that on easy just so you can you know enjoy near enough every aspect and not not be particularly put down if you're not spending hours grinding you know your character to level them up and whatnot um but yeah persona 5 is a is a good shout yeah because but i said so for my money i think that persona maybe for your first one has kind of got a lot of systems that are very unique to persona um yeah. so there are some things that you'll maybe come to expect from a jrpg that you won't necessarily see in a lot of other stuff the day-night thing of only being able to do dungeons at a certain time or like having to figure out stuff to do during the day to raise your stats up or you know gain your uh, social links like that isn't necessarily in a lot of other stuff mm. um so for me the the best thing that i played um within the last couple of years was uh yakuza 7 uh yakuza like oh, a yeah. dragon um a whole lot of fun pretty simple uh really good combat mechanic I think the story in it is amazing and all of the stuff that happens in it is very silly. It really doesn't take itself very seriously. There's a couple references to a lot of other J- JRPGs that you won't get, but you'll kind of get what it's going for. That'd be my one. Who else we got? We have Tom. He says, Hi, UK IGN crew. As I was listening to last week's segment on your ideas for a video game to be converted into a TV show, one game immediately came to mind. I think Playdead's Inside would make an incredible miniseries in the right hands. It is a dark, cryptic mystery with elements of the supernatural and body horror, which would be sure to hook the audience in. Good suggestion, Tom. In terms of the showrun, it would have to be Robert Eggers, director of The Lighthouse and The Witch. Also a very good shout. He's clearly comfortable with telling a dark and twisted story with supernatural elements and has a penchant for intense and amazing imagery. He also doesn't talk down to the audience and is able to leave story threads hanging, allowing his audience to make their own minds up. Something I really like about a lot of uh, Robert Eggers' movies is that he's comfortable with you, the audience maybe not even hearing lines of dialogue. Oh, yeah. Like having people talk with like really intelligible (laughs) accents in like slang that you wouldn't understand unless you were. That was me for most of The Lighthouse, even even (laughs) though I watched it in the cinema and like the best set. And I was like, what? Yeah. I still loved it. So adapting um, something like Inside, which I, to my knowledge, doesn't have any dialogue in, right? I, I don't. No, I don't. That. I don't think it does actually. Hmm. But uh, he goes on to say, for the story, I imagine it would be a dual perspective show: one from the boys' point of view, essentially an extended chase movie, and the others, pers- and the other perspective from the scientists slash corporation trying to find him. I'd hope the story remained quite abstract and didn't reveal every detail about who the company or the boy were. But just imagine that last episode; it would be very good. My choice of actors would be Sonny Soldier as the boy, the kid from mid-90s, the Jonah Hill skateboard film, also a good film, and Willem Dafoe or Christian Bell creeping up as the lead scientist. That would be a fantastic pairing. I would like to have both. And special source, get Rob Botton out of retirement to do the practical effects. He was the special effects artist for The Thing, Robocop, and Total Recall. I'd love to see his version of the multi-human blob. 
which is a lovely thing to say Disgusting. in a <laughs> I hope you lot have some clout in the industry to get this idea off the ground. Yeah. Certainly, everyone is... I've got Eggers uh, on the phone. Speed yeah. dial. <laughs> <laughs> I'll jump on WhatsApp and message him yeah. now. Tom says, keep up the good work. And Tom, thank you very much. Honestly, that sounds like an absolutely banging film and great choice for both cast and director. Will it ever happen? No, but we can only dream. We can only dream. And I've got the last piece of feedback. So we're moving away from uh, adaptations. <laughs> we're going back to breakfast. It's breakfast time. And this is quite a short message, but um, this is from Elliot from Melbourne. And Elliot says, Hail. A freak I work with eats 12 wheat bix for breakfast every day. <laughs> so apparently in Australia, it's not called wheat bix It's just wheat bix which I didn't know. So I don't like the sound of that. There we go. I've seen a box of them. It is weird to see it hyphenated like that. Uh, Did you see the... Pretty much right after we talked about it on the episode, uh, wheat bix was getting some slander from some Americans that were like, just found out about like British people eating wheat. Hockey pots, <laughs> I think is how they put it. Um, Wheatabix is great. Sorry if you've never had Wheatabix before. You're missing out. I, I would say it's not my favourite, but I can I can eat the little like tiny chocolate versions of it just because it is chocolate and tiny. Yeah, I think I see it as like if I'm trying to be good, I'll go mm. for Wheatabix. Whereas if I'm having like a a nice breakfast, I'll have like a croissant or something, or you know <laughs> maybe a muffin. You know, push the boat out. Just um, Weetabix crispy minis. You can't go wrong. Yeah. I haven't tried the minis, actually. I've only ever tried the big, like, hockey puck <laughs> um, versions. Just little chocolate snacks, really. You don't even have to use any milk. Just eat them. Eat them I normally, love, like a lunch. I love the idea that, like, you know, the idea of, like, a uh, Mars bar that's, like, a fun-sized Mars bar. Like, yes. imagine, <laughs> imagine a trick-or-treat just handing kids Weetabix. <laughs> if it's the chocolate minis, to be fair, I wouldn't be too upset. Mm. I'll be happy. I'll be more happy with that than a Mars bar, which is shit. But wow. let's not get into that. Jesse's this episode sponsored by again. Mars Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for... Uh, you're, yep. Okay, that joke's run its course. Uh, <laughs> Getting back to Elliot. Um, Elliot says, his friend pours in half milk, half hot tap water to make wheat bix. I've not <laughs> heard of that combination before. I've seen a lot of people on TikTok, actually, who will have overnight oats with water instead of milk. So I've kind of, I've, I've got used to that idea more now, I guess, but I've never heard of people mixing milk and water together for this can't you just like eat it seems more easier just to have more milk and heat it up than pour in hot water and milk i don't know maybe he just maybe the milk taste is too strong for this lad but still disgusting i disagree this is um this is very interesting elliot thank you for sharing though um and yeah Hopefully your friend is happy with that breakfast. I mean, tw- we actually, we didn't focus on the main thing, which was 12 mm. of these. Yeah, I'm guessing that Shit, must that be the small lot. ones, right? Like that can't be the, the big Unless ones, surely. they're not the same size as standard, perhaps. It's one, Australia, maybe even okay. two will do me. <laughs> yeah, maybe Australia is the one that needs the, the like, overt <laughs> mockery. Maybe we're, we're fine. <laughs> if you can manage 12, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> this dude's a fucking monster. I wish I were on that level. Um, but yeah, thank you for your lovely feedback. I hope that everyone's had a good time. We've been talking for over an hour and it feels like it's 
sped by. Time flies when you're having fun, mm. doesn't it? Mm. Go see Puss in Boots. I, uh, I think I, 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 I might I might have to watch it tonight. I, I think the thing that I really want to hear for feedback this week is what are the movies coming out this year that people are particularly interested in? Because it feels like there's a lot that is going to be good, but there's not a lot that I really care about until Barbie comes <laughs> out. Like a lot of things that I'm going to oh, watch God. and I'm going to enjoy. There's like Cocaine Bear coming out soon. That's going to yep. be a little bit of a fun romp. But what's the what's the one? What's the the pin in the calendar for you that you have to see no matter what? That's what I want to hear this week. Well, next year it's going to be Avatar three. Yeah, yay! <laughs> Can't wait. What a brilliant way to end such a fantastic podcast. Emma and Matthew, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> That's You're very kind, Jesse. <laughs> thank just, you just, as well. Oh, thank you so much. Let's just let's end on a really happy note. Thanks, guys. Uh, what's what song have we done this week? Actually, we didn't, we didn't pick a song. Shrek, something oh, for yeah. Shrek. Shrek, cool, <laughs> <laughs> easy. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets... What if you discovered you could move between the worlds of dreams and real life? That's the story of Dream Breachers, where Evan wakes up on his 12th birthday and realizes that something he dreamt about the night before had actually happened. With the help of his friends, a reappearing stranger, and a mysterious organization called the Dream Academy, Evan will discover what it means to be a Dream Breacher. Dream Breachers is a high-stakes sci-fi mystery adventure about the highs and lows of having all your dreams come true, and is perfect for kids ages 8 to 12. If that sounds like a dream to you, you're in luck. You can listen to Dream Breachers now, wherever you get your podcasts.